Hi, this is Very Bad Words, the podcast about swearing and taboo language. I am Matt Fiddler, and I want to tell you about a woman I met last year who likes to swear in a very unusual way. I can say things like sarking Farquan, and it sounds natural coming out, and people sort of hear it, and they know exactly what I mean. This is Emily Block. Emily says she was kind of a strange, eccentric kid growing up. I never was without a book. Um, I essentially went through the entire, you know, fantasy fiction genre section in the library. I was the sort of kid, everyone liked me. There was no one who disliked me. Everyone would say that I was their friend, but I did not hang out with people during recess or lunch. I would often um, just sort of run off by myself and daydream about, you know, massive fantastical things occurring and sort of be play-acting in my own head um, and then sort of wonder why people thought I was strange. But she sought to change all of that. You know, I was 13 years old. I was now a teenager. And right about this time, she was introduced to the author Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books. The characters really spoke to me as, as sort of normal people with weird perspectives coming up with, against, like, complete absurdity. And Adam's use of language is a major part of this absurdity. He's sort of calling on this pulpy science fiction of, like, the 30s and 40s. So people will say things like, what the photon are you thinking? The use of photon is pretty corny. I suspect purposefully so. But he also pulls from real areas of actual taboo. He has a, a sort of deity figure that he doesn't really go into called Zarquan, but that provides the, like, Zarkoff and, like, Zarquan or, like, Zarking Farquan um, as sort of oaths that, that his, his characters will emit. Um, so, right, that's local kind of um, blasphemy. Yes, yeah. Profanity. Yeah. So her plan for popularity had to do with these books. Mainly the absurd language of this strange, eccentric, two-headed character named Zaphod Beeblebrox. I wanted to be him. I thought that maybe if I could act the way that he did, I could somehow transform my weirdness into something that other people would accept. Um, and I already had the saying weird things part down um, since I had a pretty active imagination and was already not paying attention to anything going on around me. But I figured, like, all right, if I start saying these really cool words, like, the people in my class will hear them and they will immediately be like, wow, that is such a cool sounding word. You are <laughs> a cool person and that comes from a cool place. Where does that come from, Emily? And I will be like, well, it comes from this really cool book. And then we would become friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I really believed that this is what would happen. Uh, Did it work? At all? Ever? Um, I could see a certain <laughs> select, some people being into that. In in seventh grade, it did not. It, yeah, that's I, I pretty, pretty much got for a seventh seventh <laughs> uh, grader. The problem was that I didn't quite know how to use it because I wasn't even swearing in my real life at that point. So someone said something, and I said, "What the zarking Farquan did you say?" <laughs> And they kind of looked at me like I had two heads. And I was <laughs> like, oh, um, because I realized how aggressive that sounded. 
Yeah, so that that didn't turn into Insta friendship for me. But I did in telling um, someone about this podcast recently, I was like telling the story and I'm like, yeah, I said something like Zarking Farquan. Am I and the girl I was telling it to stopped me. She goes, oh, my God, that's the coolest word I've ever heard. What's that from? Really? It, 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 yes, it, it she finally actually to stopped you? me to say that. <laughs> Just completely organically, like, gave me my seventh grade, like, dream. I was like, oh, my God, this was meant to be. Where were you so many years ago? <laughs> On today's episode of Very Bad Words, Emily and her partner, Forrest Phillips, are here to teach me about constructed curses. Yes, today's topic of Very Bad Words is about this kind of made-up swear word. But not just any kind of made-up swear words. What we're talking about are called constructed curses. Uh, this would be opposed to a mangled oath. So like if I don't want to swear in front of kids and I stub my toe and I'm like, ah, oh, fudge. Um, that wouldn't be a constructed curse. That's, you know, me just substituting a word. But when in Battlestar Galactica, people are, you know, calling each other mother frackers, like that's a constructed curse, frack. While frack sounds like a good substitute for fuck, it's actually a word created for the universe of Battlestar Galactica, the TV show. Now, in that universe, frack is just as bad as the word fuck, so it's not a mangled oath, it's a constructed curse. Enough! For frack's sake, let him breathe! Yeah? Frack's that. Oh, frack off. Frack me. To get us familiar with this topic, here with Emily is her partner, Forrest. They both co-produced this episode on constructed curses with me. A constructed curse is a dirty word used in genre fiction, which was invented specifically for that fictional world. Um, for instance, what was it? Uh, Zarking Farquan, many of the uh, Douglas Adams words that he uses. And of course, we know Emily likes to use these kinds of words in real life. But apparently, this is an idea others have jumped on as well. The reason why many people use constructed curses specifically is sort of as a signal to other people who might be in the know about that particular fictional world, fantasy world. Like this clip from the show Bojack Horseman. They adopted the Battlestar Galactica word frack. People do love fracking. It's fun to say. Frack. Frack. Fricky, fricky, frack. <laughs> People wouldn't love saying it if they understood what it actually was. So tell them. I can't go against my husband. What the frack? Why not? So like in Battlestar Galactica's frack, some constructed curses are just an extension of English, but with references to some aspect of the fictional world in there. But they can also be part of a broader, sussed-out fictional language. Like, for instance, all the curses that are in Dothraki are all constructed curses that are part of this larger language. Which is much more common now. People want there to be, and maybe even expect there to be, a real language behind these sort of samples they hear in their favorite films and TV shows. This is mostly attributed to, like, the Conlang boom. This is after the Lord of the Rings movies. Everyone could mm. learn Elvish. And so now people were expecting real languages that they themselves could speak. 
So when David Peterson was hired to invent the Dothraki language for HBO's Game of Thrones, he knew he had to create more than just what was called for in the script. So David Peterson is a linguist who uh, created the language Dothraki, and he sort of built it from the ground up based on, you know, lines from the books as well as what the producers needed. There are curses in Dothraki and in his other languages that, you know, the etymology therein is about things in that fictional universe. Dothraki, like any language, has a number of swear words. Uh, a common one is just gradach. Gradach means, means shit. I mean, it doesn't have a very clever etymology there. Almost every language has a shit word, and so that's Dothraki's. That is David Peterson, the linguist who created Dothraki. And while there is not an equivalent English curse word for this next one, it is one of the worst things you can say in Dothraki. You fuck. Which sounds very dirty in English, but um, its etymology is rather plain in Dothraki. That's the agentive version of the word walk, so it means walker. But it's a very, very insulting word used to refer to somebody who only walks, somebody who can't ride a horse. If you know the show Game of Thrones, you know that the Dothraki people are roaming warrior people who pretty much exclusively battle, rape, and pillage by horseback. They even eat their horses as their main source of food. So if you can't ride a horse, you are not a man. You don't battle, you don't eat, you are essentially worthless. So calling someone a walker is about as bad as it gets. Pathetic efuk. But not all the swear words in Dothraki have deep roots in the fictional culture. Sometimes the words come from a more personal place by the creator, like David's fandom of the satirical sci-fi cartoon Futurama. Jiva is a word for a horn, a horn of an animal. And then there's the term Jiva Zoh. Jiva Zoh is, uh, Zoh is a word for below or lower. It's an adjective. And so when applied to Jiva, Jiva uh, Zoh is lower horn, which is a slang term for penis. Well, Fry, it looks like you get to hold on to your lower horn. As usual! Woo! And this next example is a good reason never to piss off a linguist, or he might make a constructed curse about you. Greggy. Greggy is uh, a word that means, uh, I think it means splinter, but it's used to suggest that somebody has a very small penis. And it might have been coined based on somebody named Greg who crossed me once. Yeah, you'll learn better now. So even the kind of silly constructed curses have an origin story, even Greggy, this small phallist former associate of David's. But the word actually comes from splinter, which is a reasonable thing that someone might turn into a phrase for a small penis. So in this language, everything has a definition and a history, albeit a made-up one, but it's still there. And that's the main difference, it seems, between the constructed curses that are part of a larger constructed language and then the ones that are just sort of these lone words like frack. Like, we don't know the etymology of frack, as far as I've been able to tell. It's just there because it's a solid, good substitute for the F word for fuck that sounds like it fits the construction of curse words like fuck in our language, in English, which is 
monosyllabic, ends in a closed syllable. And so it just feels right when we say it. Well, frack. Using the constructed curse is a great way to bring the observer into that world. I mean, you learn a lot about a culture through its taboos. But Forrest says it has another important purpose for TV writers and writers of fiction for young adults. They get to use the curse words while also not violating any restrictions on language. You get your characters to say the F word, to say mother fracker. But because you said mother fracker, you're in the clear. You can air on TV. You can be in libraries. You're all good to go. But while fully constructed languages like Dothraki were at least partly influenced by Tolkien in The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien didn't use constructed curses, although he did acknowledge that taboo words and terms do exist in Middle-earth. J.R. Tolkien believed that fantasy purpose was to elevate humanity. We were supposed to read these Lord of the Rings books and we were going to be like, wow, let's be more evolved beings and be good to each other and be our most idealized Disneyland selves. And there's absolutely no swearing in that. Uh, To the point where his fictional translator within the books mentions that he censored the orcish that he had translated because it was just, it was too foul to put into words. Speaking of popular franchises, after we take a quick break, we're going to talk to the creator of Star Trek's Klingon language, and we'll explore why constructed curses haven't gone on on the most popular sci-fi fantasy universe of all time. Welcome back to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. Now, today we're talking about constructed curses, made up swear words for fictional worlds. Worlds like the one in the sci fi fantasy Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Now, if you haven't seen those, there's this character that's basically a big tree character that can walk and talk, but the only thing he actually says is, I am Groot. Now, in those movies, you find out later there's a younger son of Groot character. The new Groot is now a teenage Groot, and uh, he, he's like a nasty <laughs> teenage Groot, like sulking and playing his Game Boy all the time. and uh, Sap leaking out of his bark and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was one part where they're sitting around talking, and he just says, like, I am Groot. And they're like, Groot, watch your language. <laughs> <laughs> so the swearing was totally tonal. Yeah, it was totally tonal in the I Am Groot. They all looked at him like they were mortified, like, Groot! This is Eric Malinsky, a former colleague of mine from the public radio world. I am the host of the podcast, Imaginary Worlds. My podcast tagline is, it's a show about how we create them and why we suspend our disbelief. Which fits right in with our subject today on Constructed Curses. Imaginary Worlds is doing for sci-fi and fantasy what my podcast is doing for taboo language, talking about it seriously as something that deserves looking into. The thing that always drove me crazy about a lot of public radio stories is that they would the only way they could ever justify talking about sci-fi fantasy was either either they do it in a tongue-in-cheek way where they're basically making fun of, you know, the fans, or they had to keep pointing out how much money these things made. And that's like the only reason, like, if this thing didn't make a billion dollars, trust me, we would not be talking about the show with dragons on it, you know, right. um, or, or these movies with superheroes. And I always felt like, yeah, but for the people that do this, um, why not, you know, take it seriously? So he created the show Imaginary Worlds. 
and they explore many aspects of the sci-fi and fantasy genres. There's a ton of back episodes that cover many topics, and they're still working hard on new ones, including one on constructed languages to come out in July of 2018. I thought that people whose interests are piqued by this episode of Very Bad Words might want to know more. So if that's you, try out this particular episode of Imaginary Worlds. So I asked Eric real quickly to explain what he's focusing this episode on. My assistant producer, Stephanie, and I went into it. So just sort of curious about, I think it started with her, where she was she was always really interested in the sort of language angle. And I was saying to her, but this has been covered so much. Like, what are we going to do differently? And she really looked into the Klingon culture. And by that, I mean the sort of pop subculture around Klingon. And she's like, you really got to look at this. <laughs> like, this is a living, growing culture of people who where Klingon is a big part of their lives. It's this thing that was created. And then, and then talking with these people, too, there's just something kind of beautiful about it. It's as beautiful as anything, I feel like, when I talk to somebody and there's something totally imaginary that, you know, isn't real but is real to them. Like, that's sort of the thing I'm always really interested in with my podcast. This thing that isn't real but feels real. And part of that real feeling is that Klingon is a real language. I mean, you can speak it. And we'll be talking to the creator of that language, Mark Okrand, in just a bit to talk about the taboo side of Klingon. But Eric said there is something about speaking a language like Klingon that is more than just, oh, we're talking like a character from our favorite franchise. Isn't that great? The thing they find most appealing about Klingon is kind of the sort of the nature of the language is that it's really blunt. Like so many times in interviews, um, the interviewer will say, well, how do you say hello in Klingon or goodbye in Klingon? And the person will say, you don't. (laughs) You just say, what do you want? It's a very blunt language. And for a lot of people, it's a little bit like uh, the language equivalent of cosplay. You know, plus sometimes there's some real cosplay in there where they just like, you know, by, by speaking Klingon all of a sudden, I don't have to deal with all the social niceties. And a few people even said that they, uh, they've they had some really serious conversations with friends of theirs about like hot topic political issues or sensitive issues. But because it's in Klingon, they can avoid all the euphemisms and all the language that we that we tiptoe around and be incredibly blunt about this, these kinds of topics and that they find that incredibly liberating. Like, let's talk about gun control as Klingons. <laughs> Well, I haven't heard the episode yet because it's being finished after this one is. Eric says he also got a guest on it that sings pop tunes in Klingon and other ridiculous things like that. So you'll have to check it out. Imaginary Worlds. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. And since we're talking about Klingon, let me introduce the man himself who Forrest, Emily and I talked to a couple of weeks ago. Hi, I'm Mark O'Krend, and I devised the Klingon language, heard in Star Trek movies and TV shows, a little bit of Vulcan, a little bit of Romulan, and a few other things. But we're just focusing on the language of the Klingon species from the Star Trek universe, because this show is about swearing. And Klingons are, are, are rowdy and boisterous, and they're going to be swearing all over the place, because in our culture, that's the way a rowdy, boisterous person behaves. All the Klingon stuff is cloaked in our culture, not in Klingon culture. And it's all holding up a mirror to ourselves. But before we go into the curses and taboos of the Klingon language, Mark wants us to know that Klingon didn't start out as this fully constructed, elaborate language. The way I liken the the origins of Klingon is, is like a movie set. What I mean by that is when you make a movie set, you've all seen movie sets, right? Let's say it's a room, it's somebody's room. It's gorgeous, it's beautiful, you step two feet away, it's two by fours, you know, 
is barely holding together. And if there's a door, okay, but that door doesn't have to open in the movie, it doesn't, right? If there's a window, but you never have to open the window, the window doesn't open. Um, that doesn't mean that in the set designer's mind, they don't know how doors work or something like that. But there's just no reason to figure out, does it open in, does it open, it doesn't matter, you know. And with Klingon, it was the same. I had a, a, an idea of how this whole, how the grammar works and how it fits in and all that kind of stuff. But if I didn't have to make it up, I didn't. It was all pushed by what was needed for the movie. And this is probably because in 1984, when Star Trek III came out, constructed languages for movies weren't common. So the Klingon language was far from a completed language when it first started. But interest in Klingon grew with the franchise. Mark gets hired to write an official Klingon language dictionary. He expands the language dramatically, with additional new words being created by writers of the different Star Trek TV shows. And they made up a bunch of new words that the writers did for the next generation in Deep Space Nine and all that. And one of them became the most well-known Klingon insult or profanity or something other, which is patak. Okay, they made that up. I didn't make that up. Because... I had to look this up because talk that that that's a real word and it means to be weird okay pet is a prefix that's a, it that means it's it's a command to more than one person so talk by itself means y'all be weird <laughs> decided that's what patak comes from i don't think that's a very good <laughs> insult Y'all be weird. I'll show you. (laughs) Words are even created by accident sometimes. For example, one time Mark noticed on an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, a character saying something in Klingon that wasn't quite right. The actor ended this Klingon word with the sound jite, which at the time had no meaning whatsoever. So I said, well, if he said like that, and with this jive that doesn't mean anything, I don't, I don't know what the mistake was. I don't know whether it was the actor's mistake or the writer's mistake. I said, all right, well, we have this new word, jive. And if you throw that at the end of a sentence, it makes the whole sentence this mean, dirty word-ish sort of thing. So, it's an adverb that means intensely. So to, to intensely do something together. So for example, if I say, kashtach nuk, that means what's happening, what's going on. But if I say, So basically that just means what the fuck is going on? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Means they've entered the building. If I say, They've entered the fucking building. You can do that to anything. You can do that to anything. But as we talked about in the minicast last week, there are no profane definitions in the Klingon dictionary. I mean, jite doesn't officially mean as fuck or something like that. It's just an intensifier. Klingon doesn't have just dirty words per se. But there's other regular words that can be used in a curse-like way. And there's a number of those in Klingon. So the word for, there's the word for animal. This is in one of the movies. In Star Trek Three, there's a scene where Commander Krug tells his gunner guy to aim at that ship over there, target the engine, don't blow up the ship, we just want to disable it. And the gunner goofs and blows up the ship, and Krug is angry. So he turns to the guy and he says, animal. Okay, actually that was originally said in English, so I had to, they decided afterwards that should be in Klingon, so I had to make up a Klingon word that matched the English lip movements 
that were already there. So he said, Chattebach. And the lips look like he's animal and Chattebach look the same on the lips. That's the regular word for animal. And I decided that's also a regular word for meat if you order meat in a restaurant or something, you know, Chattebach. So it's a perfectly fine order, but Chattebach, that's bad. And Krug was really angry. And there are other examples of this same kind of thing. Vech is a regular word. It means garbage. But if you combine it with another word, that's when it becomes taboo. Vechruj, you know what that is? Vechruj is a garbage scout. Now that's a big insult. You know that scene? In Trouble with Tribbles, right? The, the Klingon guy says to Scotty, the Enterprise was designed like a garbage scout. And Scotty is so upset, right, that he starts a big barroom brawl and stuff. That's a Vechruj, is a garbage scout. So while all Klingon profanity is defined in non-profane terms, that almost changed in Star Trek V. There was a scene, it involved a Klingon, a human woman, and a Federation translator. And the Klingon was being extremely rude and insulting to the human woman. He's just insulting her left and right, and she picks up on that fact even though she doesn't know what he's saying. And then she turns to the Federation guy, the translator, and she says, you tell him. And then she says, wait a minute. I'm going to tell him myself using the only Klingon word I know. And she turns to him and she says, Kutvat! Like that. And the Klingon guy looks at her. His eyes are big. And he says, Kutvat! Well, screw you too. <laughs> okay. They cut that scene out. It's, it's not in the film. Okay. But I guess that's what Kutvat means. Is something along those lines. Or at least, at least it carries the same import as that. And speaking of import, when Forrest and Emily got Mark to agree to an interview with us, I had one question that I thought was really important to ask. As a Simpsons nerd, there's been a question I've wanted to ask you for many, many, many years. It was my potentially my first Klingon word I ever knew, and comic book guy yells it. It was a scene when a, a, a woman breaks up with him, and he goes, ah, is there a... I wish I knew the Klingon word for loneliness. Loneliness. And he, and he looks it up and he goes, Gardach. Yeah, no, they made that up. They made that up. Ah! Go! Oh, damn! <laughs> okay, so we haven't talked about the most popular sci-fi fantasy franchise of all time yet. Sure, it's pretty PG overall. But there is some occasional harsh language. Your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. And there are mentions of Bantha Fada throughout the franchise. Banthas being this giant, presumably stinky creature. So it basically just means, you know, bullshit. But my favorite is from The Empire Strikes Back, where C-3PO runs across this other similar-looking droid in Cloud City. Nice to see a familiar face. Ichuta. How rude. Ichuta. Why isn't this one of those words that is caught on? I want it to be one because I love Ichuta so much. I just love it in my heart. But I it don't know. It sounds like screw you or fuck you or something, doesn't it kind of? See, that's the thing. I, that's why I think it's a gray area because so one of the criteria that we have about what makes a good constructed curse is that it has to be clear how you use it. And it's real clear how you use Ichuta. But it's a quick, unimportant scene and hasn't really caught on and probably won't ever catch on. And I mean, honestly, a lot of the Star Wars ones in general haven't caught on. Like, the Star Wars equivalent for Frack is Criff. Criff? I've never even heard that. It's from the Expanded Universe. How are they trying to use it? Do you remember? It's like this Criffing thing, or like Criff you. Like, they really do use it as basically a one-to-one for fuck. 
But that still doesn't work either. Saying Criff just doesn't sound good, especially if you compare it to that Battlestar Galactica term we talked about earlier, frack. Frack is the gold standard constructed curse in terms of people actually using it. I mean, frack even bled over into 30 Rock on a t-shirt and into Veronica Mars in an actual scripted line. So nothing really can touch frack. And I think part of that is because of the sound, because it if you hit your toe and you go, you can either say fuck or you can back out and say frack, which is sort of how those mangled oaths work in real life. Thank you, Forrest Phillips, Emily Block, David Patterson, Eric Malinsky, and Mark Okren for teaching me what the Zarking Farquan of Constructed Curse is. If you're a Patreon patron, you can listen to the full-length interview with Star Trek's Mark Okren. Find it on our website, verybadwords.com. Along with me, this episode was co-produced by Forrest Phillips and Emily Block, and I always get help from Jill Fincher. I'm Matt Fiddler. Thanks for listening to Very Bad Words. Very Bad Words.